Welcome back, fellas. It is Monday, January 23rd. We are fresh off the divisional round. I am Seabear, and Buddy's on the other end. How's it going, bud? Going pretty good. Uh, Had a good weekend. What about you? I did not, dude. I lost a lot of money this weekend, but we don't really have to talk about it. If nobody really wants to, nobody said yes, so we're moving on. Going straight into the divisional round, buddy. I want to hear one quarterback that really just like grabbed the whole, like good or bad, one quarterback that really did what you thought they were going to do or met more or less. Daniel Jones went from a week ago being the guy that you thought that was going to be the face of the franchise for sure to really questioning whether or not he's a, he, he's going to be there even next year. Um, his contract is up after this year. They were going to have to sign him to some long-term deal or franchise tag him. It's looking more and more like they're going to end up franchise tagging him because they just don't – you can't put too much trust in him after the game that they had on Saturday night. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, looked as good as he has all year. It That wasn't even a fair game. But out of all of them, um, you really kind of got what you thought you'd get, maybe other than Josh Allen. Josh Allen really underperformed. But Daniel Jones leaves you the biggest question mark going forward, in my opinion. The Daniel Jones situation is kind of similar to the Dallas Cowboys with Dak a couple years ago, no? You're not wrong, honestly. The only thing, the only difference is, is that Dak had played pretty well. At that point, yeah. so it was. It wasn't really a question of whether or not he was the the guy for you. It was how much you were you willing to pay him because he was wanting, he was wanting a ton of money, but you really weren't sure whether or not he was worth all that money. But Daniel Jones, on the other hand, as far as I know, hasn't even worried about money. It's just whether or not he's going to be the starting quarterback come twenty twenty three in September. Buddy, his passing rating the other day fifty three point eight. It wasn't very good. He just he they weren't able to move the ball. They only scored seven points the whole game. I mean, they got just the Eagles did what you kind of expect them to do. This is the game that they've been playing all year. You wondered a little bit after the game last week, but they really came back strong this week. I'm sorry, they didn't even play last week. I'm talking about the last week of the season. Um, but no, the the Eagles look really good. But Daniel Jones, first of all, in his defense, he doesn't have receivers. His best receiver is Darius Slayton, who had one catch for four yards, and that's not going to cut it. No, but you also got to give him the ball. So let's see how many targets he had. He had five targets. Yeah. Um, it's just – I was high on Daniel Jones. Interestingly, like I just kind of went through and ranked the quarterbacks last week, and I had Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts at four and Daniel Jones at five. I don't think yeah. from what you from what I saw this weekend, Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Trevor Lawrence looked good. That's what I really, really I really expected him to play well. I told you last week that I thought that the Jaguars were gonna cover the nine and a half or whatever it was. Uh they back needed a late ever they need, shit out of me, dude. They, they need they more the crap out of me. Yeah, they needed a late field goal to get it, but I I thought that they would play it close. The game was closer than the actual score because they had opportunities down the stretch. Um, the interception that Trevor Lawrence threw with about four minutes left was really just 
a hell of a play by the the cornerback for the um for the Chiefs. Let's see who was that. It was a it was a hell of a catch. It was Jalen Watson. He went up one handed it, and it wasn't even that bad of a ball. He underthrew it just a just a tad bit. But I thought Trevor Lawrence did well. Here's your real question. Actually, the one that I question the most moving forward on down the line is Daniel Jones. But Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. And it doesn't surprise me that he finished that game. But I was listening to Tony Romo was talking about it during the game, uh, the Bengals and Bills game yesterday. He's talking about the time when he had a high ankle sprain. That day of, you're fine. It's not, I mean, you, you have the adrenaline going, you get shot up with whatever they have to give you. But that next day, Romo said he probably wouldn't even be able to walk. And so there's, he's probably going, going to play on Sunday, but the question is whether or not he will be anywhere close to the Patrick Mahomes that we've been used to, who's been able to extend plays with his legs. And if you watch the Bengals and Bills game, especially late in that game, the way that they drew up blitz packages, they got to Josh Allen every single time. And if Patrick Mahomes is not as mobile as he has been being, that's a real concern for the Chiefs. A hundred percent. And that's what makes Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, the way he, he can extend plays, the way he can extend plays and also just make throws from every angle whatsoever, it – Really, if he's less mobile, then that really – if you're the Bengals defensive coordinator, you're licking your chops right now. A hundred percent, because now what you couldn't do before, like I said, you can't put blitz Patrick Mahomes because you don't want him out of the pocket. Now yeah. you can freaking tuck your ears and go. Did you did you see the way – and I, I'm going to brag because this is an Ole Miss guy, and, I, and he was one of my favorite players for a long time. But the way that Mike Hilton dis- disguises blitzes and the way him, as small as he is, is always in the backfield or always making a play somewhere, it's super impressive. Um, he didn't end up having a sack, but he hit. He got a hit on Josh Allen that was ruled a fumble on the field. They called back, came back and said that his arm was moving forward. He was just a menace the whole game. He was getting hits on He was getting hits on Josh Allen. He was making tackles on the, down the field and, and just making plays all over. He's a hell of a defender. He's really, really good playing that nickel. And he's a guy you need you need to watch out for um, in this game coming up next week. One thing, he had a um, – he played a great game last year in the AFC Championship against the Chiefs. So that's a guy to keep an eye out for. Um, but their pass rush is going to be, I think, pretty effective possibly. It, the way that they made – if they can make Patrick Mahomes look like Josh Allen from like this week, they will be fine. Josh Allen, dude, he did not look good, man. 68 passer rating, not good. How many times did this fella get sacked? It doesn't say. Hey, one interception, zero touchdowns, 59% completion percentage. They were just in that dude's pocket the whole night. Yeah, no, he was – and the question going into the into that game was not the Bills' offensive line; it was the Bengals' offensive line, yep. who really was. They were, um, dude, they had backups all over the place. They had three three of their five offensive linemen were not stars at the beginning of the year, and they held them. I think Burrow got sacked one time, lost two yards, which was, I mean, in his eyes, in a lot of games they've played this year, is a great thing, and so. 
I don't know. It's you wonder if they can keep this up against the the Chiefs this coming week, but uh, it'll be a it should be as good as last year, if not better. But you're real, like I said, the real question is Patrick Mahomes. Now I want to get to one more thing for you, C Bear, and this is going to hit personal for you because you're a Mississippi State guy. What in the world is going to happen with Dak Prescott this offseason? So I just want this to be known. As a Mississippi State fan, I have never truly been high on Dak with the Cowboys. Just let this be known. I've never been the biggest Dak Prescott with the Cowboys fan. I think they need to – I think it's about time. I think it's time. I've seen enough. I really have. You, you've had the weapons around you. It's been multiple years that you've had the weapons to get it done. And you go into a game against a really good defense, the number one scoring defense in football, don't get me wrong. And you go for two interceptions in the first half for a passer rating of 63.6. To add insult to injury, Tony Pollard did go out in the second quarter. Tony Pollard getting hurt was huge. I mean, but that Dak's was going to play better. No, there's no doubt about it. Um, the problem is, is that you had no rushing game whatsoever. Zeke was the leading rusher, but he only had 26 yards. They tried to get Dak involved in the running game a little bit, but it wasn't enough. The I don't really know if the time is up for Dak, but I think that Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy have to make a decision on who they want to keep and who they find more valuable. And it's between Dak and Kellen Moore because I don't like the way that Kellen Moore has run the offense the last year or so for Dak. Dak is not a drop back and throw it 40 times a game kind of guy. He's a guy who did really well his rookie year by establishing the run, him being involved in the run game, him working off play action stuff and rollouts. He's one of the best in the entire league at selling fakes as on handoffs. It, it, I love watching him do it because it's something that a lot of people take for granted, but he's very, very good at it. But with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, it's really kind of gone away. And for some reason, the only games where he called the plays the way that Dak really succeeded in early in his career was the games that Cooper Rush started this year. So then now I'm going to ask you this. If Cooper Rush would have been playing last night, do you think they would have had a better chance of winning? Yeah, because you have to commit to the run game. That's a. I don't think you're 100 percent right, buddy. Dak Dak's not not he's not the guy that's going to sit back 37 times and win you a game. Because dude, he looked very similar to Derek Carr last night. Yeah. He just, I mean, you say he has the weapons, and I'm mean, they're not bad, but I mean, hell, Gallup didn't have a single catch. That's Dak's fault, though. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you gotta it's, find a way to get it him. is. CD Lamb is CD Lamb on fifty yard balls. Yeah, CD Lamb is a legit number one receiver. He had ten catches for like one hundred and seventeen, but besides that, Dalton Schultz is the only guy he really connected with, and. Nothing that against Dalton Schultz. He's on a freaking count, a, a power counter that you flip the tight end on. Well, there's nothing against Dalton Schultz. He's a great tight end. He's done 
really well, but he is not a go-to receiver. He's a good blocking tight end, and he's a good like number two tight end. I think in the draft this year, they really need to try to go get some a young tight end who they think can build into like a legit number one tight end because Dak has always done well with tight ends. Um, he, like I said, on the rollout pass game, the play action stuff where tight ends are coming across the middle, that's where he really succeeds. Just think if you were to put like a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey on the Dallas Cowboys, that would open up so much more for Dak, in my opinion, to where he's not having to force it to receivers and try to push it downfield. That's just not his game. So to get to what you said about the Cowboys have to decide between either it's Mond or Prescott, right? Those are, those are your options. Kellen you, Moore. You, Moore, sorry. Yeah. Kellen Mond was a quarterback at, like, what, Texas A&M? Texas A&M, yep. Sorry. So You're you got to decide between Kellen Moore and Dak. Can I be honest? I mean, this that's what I this think, show is for. I think Kellen yeah. Moore should be the next Dallas Cowboys head coach. Well, Jerry always already said that Mike McCarthy's job is safe, and I don't think he's going to fire him after just two years. I don't think I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I was really low on McCarthy, but he fixed all the the penalty problems that he had last year. So good on you. Here's the difference between Dak and Kellen Moore, in my opinion. This is why I would, if you're an owner, you're going to stick with Dak because you're paying him $40 million in the, a year. That's the main reason. You're not paying Kellen Moore anywhere close to that. And Kellen Moore has been a good coordinator so far, but he's not, hasn't been anything just super special. If it's Kyle Shanahan we're talking about or Sean McVay or anybody like that, then okay, then I understand wanting to try to keep him for the long haul. But Kellen Moore's done good, but nothing special. So I think you give Dak. The problem is, is I don't really think you're going to fire Kellen Moore, but you have to make him emphasize the run this offseason. Yeah. Maybe that's something that him and McCarthy talked about. Maybe McCarthy gave Moore a little bit more than he needed as far as, like, reins for the offense. But I don't know how you can – this is my thing, right? Dak is consistent enough. But the games, his bad games – his bad games oh, are bad. God, dude, it's just like get him out of the game. He's it, his head blows up. You can look in his eyes and tell that he has no idea what he's doing. Like last night, dude, that blank stare he was giving to the sidelines after he threw an interception. Like somebody smack him upside his freaking head. You're playing football, dummy. What are you doing? You it looked like Derek Carr, like legit. It was sad. Well, on the flip side of that because the Cowboys did not win that game. The 49ers beat them. Brock Purdy, in my opinion, had the game where he was supposed to lose that game. But he had the game that we've been talking about we thought he was going to have. He didn't do anything special. He didn't do anything bad, but he didn't do anything like he had been the last few weeks where he's been one of the main reasons why they were winning games. And that was a chance that you had to beat this team. And the Cowboys were not able to do it. So that really kind of begs the question. I feel like as good as the Eagles looked, the 49ers have to feel good knowing that they got away with the win when they did not play very well. I agree 100%, dude. There's two guys that you had to take away in the passing game if you're the Cowboys. Numero it's Kittle uno. and Debo. Kittle? I was going to say Ayuk. Uh, they did a pretty good job of taking him away. He only had two catches for 26 yards. They did a good job taking Ayuk away. 
but George Kittle went off. Yeah, Kittle is can't he have is something special. The one catch he had though, where he like tipped it up in the air, bounced it off his face mask. Like, that's did freaking- you see what he said about that? Uh uh-uh. uh They asked him what about that catch, and he said he that he did it for ratings because he wanted to show something special. He said that's what we're all here for anyway, right? I love that is good for football, man. He's he good really for- is. He's a he's just a funny guy, and he's awesome. Purdy, man, I I was I I've been straight and narrow as I can be on Purdy. There's going to be a game where the defense figures him out. I thought this would be the game. I picked the Cowboys to win the game. So, for I, I'm freak, man. What I saw from Purdy, they're a Super Bowl team. I can finally say that confidently. What I saw from Purdy, they're a Super Bowl team. All right, so there was a report that did come out early Sunday, though, that just made zero sense to me. Uh, apparently, Kyle Shanahan said that there is an outside chance that Jimmy Garoppolo could be able to play this coming week in the NFC Championship game, but more likely he would be ready to go for the Super Bowl, and that would be in three weeks if they make it. If You you can't pull Brock Purdy if he gets you to the Super Bowl, right? Now, if you have Jimmy G on the sideline just in case, like if he struggles in the first half, then that's great and you're in a good situation. Alabama, Alabama, the national championship situation. Yes, exactly. But it's actually the opposite. It's the young guy getting taken out for a guy with with a lot of poise and he's been there before and experience. So it's almost like a win-win if you were able to get him back. I'm surprised because I just thought, thought he was done for the year. Here's one thing. All my life, I've never really liked the 49ers that much. But if you look at the guys on this team, you got Purdy, who is Mr. Irrelevant, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, who was hurt and got, came back, George Kittle, who's just a funny guy. This is a very likable team. They're fun to watch, man. Good defense. Offense, they do everything you want them to do. The schemes, if you're a football fan, the 49ers, that's who you want to watch. They're able to win high-scoring games where they score 40. They're able to score low-scoring games where they don't even score 20. They, they're they a very well-rounded team, and they have – this is the th- this is the third time in four years that they made it to the NFC Championship game. This is the Eagles' first time they've been there since 2017 when they won the Super Bowl, but there's basically nobody that, from that team left. There's a few players, but not really, especially on the offensive side. So you got to think that the 49ers' experience is going to lead – is going to end. Is going to help them. Um. So I. It's the Kyle. This Shannon is going to be. Effect, you're Kyle right. Shannon has a real deal, bro. He really is. So looking forward to next week is conference is championship Sunday. Uh, before we get there, I do want to say something that's very sad. Do we only have three more football games this year? That is very sad. I mean, it's a little depressing. But we got baseball, dude. We haven't even talked about baseball, buddy. Jesus Lord. It's we're 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 going into conference championship Sunday. We're not going to talk about baseball yet. It's not. No, we'll get there. But that's the thing, man. You think we're not going to have anything to talk about? And they're like, "Oh my God, dude, we haven't even talked about (laughs) baseball." Oh, I know. I'm just sad that football's almost over. Me too. So, NFC Championship game. You got the 49ers going to Philly, uh, playing the Eagles. Right now, the Eagles are favored by two and a half. That's going to be at two o'clock on Sunday on Fox. I don't know. I think that that's a game that you might want to go with the Niners on that one. But that's it's we're we're early. 
I don't blame. I, I I like that look too, man. I'm looking heavy at the Niners right now. Heavy. Yeah, we're like we're not going to do a lock of the week this week. I mean, not not this week, not tonight. We're going to give it out later in the week, kind of like we did uh, last week. It didn't work out for us, so I don't really know if we should do that or not. But we're going to do it anyway. Uh, the AFC Championship game is a rematch of the AFC Championship game from a year ago. It's going to be at five thirty on CBS Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Bengals and the Chiefs. We haven't even talked about this guy yet, but how good is Joe Burrow? He's he's that guy. He's good, man. He's so he good. Is, so he has God Almighty. He has so much confidence. It's stupid. I mean, it's all, it's borderline being too confident. And then, like somebody on the broadcast the other night said that the, the Bengals aren't even confident. They are straight up cocky, and it works for them. And it's really fun to watch them play too. It it is, man. They're it's a different vibe from that last year's team because now we've seen the the Bengals from last year make it make this run, and now we've seen this Bengals team make the run. Two completely different Bengals teams. Well, it really kind of just shows you that a lot of people going into this year just kind of thought that the Bengals were a fluke. They struggled early. They lost a few games they shouldn't have lost. And then everybody was like, all right, well, maybe that was just a one-year thing. And then Joe Burrow just shows you what Joe Burrow has shown you the last six years of his college, of his football career. And he just shows you that he is that guy. He's able to lead a team all the way to a conference championship game. And they have to feel really good about this game. They are actually favored by a point. Going into Kansas City, the Bengals are favored by a point. And I'm really, really close to giving you the lock of the week right now. The Bengals, the Chiefs, there's, I can't tell you the last time they've been not the favorite at home in a playoff game. And it makes it's me probably, want to jump straight out of this chair, go straight to Philadelphia, and put both of my butt cheeks on the Chiefs. Philadelphia and Mississippi we're talking about. We're not talking about going to Pennsylvania and yeah, go watch sorry. the Eagles play. Sports betting's not legal in Mississippi. Fix it, Tate. Gah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's stupid that you can go drive across the state line in Tennessee and do it, but not here. Literally. I can go two hours north to Memphis. I can go two and a half hours west and get to Arkansas, or northwest and get to Arkansas. I can go about three and a half hours west and get to Shreveport or Louise or New Orleans, southwest, and I can bet sports there. But you're telling me that in the comfort of my own home, I can't get on an app and bet on sports? No, you cannot legally. Suck my butt. I'll do it anyways. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a really good – we got a good championship Sunday coming up, in my opinion. That's going to be two really good games, and they're really toss-ups. I mean, you got – these are the four teams. Four of the five teams that I think everybody thought at the beginning, halfway through the year, that this was who it was going to be. You could have substituted the Bills in for the Bengals, but that was – a they were a toss-up. These are the four best teams in the league. These are the four teams that should be here, and this is going to be a really fun championship Sunday. It's going to be really great football. I think – okay, so the divisional round went straight to four-unders, okay? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, like – a lot of people that just start sports betting that are, like, aren't very good at it, I guess you could say, will just say divisional unders hit last week, so they're going to hit this week. I bought the well, crap you- overs. 
you got to look at the fact that like the Bills and Bengals game was the one where I thought was going to be a very high scoring game, but it snowed the whole entire game, so that's going to affect mm-hmm. it. Uh, total at the Bengals and Bills, Bengals and Chiefs are set at forty seven and forty five and a half for the Niners and Eagles, so they are both pretty low. So I don't, I, I don't hate that. No, forty five and a half. You're getting a really good price. I will say though. Um, 95% of the money right now is on the Eagles and 96% of the money is on the under. I don't know how you get evil Eagles to cover two and a half, but to keep it under 45 and a half. Cause the only way I think the Eagles cover is to get it over that 45 and a half. Does that make sense, buddy? Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you there. Um, so yeah, that's going to kind of do it for our NFL talk today. Seabear. I want you to tell me what your first thought about college football in this past week was. What was the move that you saw that interest you? I think everybody knows where I'm going with this. But our board buddy's going with this. It's Mike Wright, man. What is, what's going on? What's happening? Mike, what In the Mike state Wright, of Mississippi, what's going on? Mike Wright transfers from Vanderbilt to Mississippi State. A team that's ran the the air raid offense the last three years with with Coach Leach, rest in peace. He is not an air raid style quarterback. He is very far from it. It kind of begs the question of what is going to be different in Starkville this coming year. Let me ask. All right, Chris Parsons. Who does his game mimic? Mike Wright or Will Rogers? It it. Favors Mike Wright more. There's okay. no doubt. I thought as soon as you fi- you hired, is it Parsons? The hit? No, that's the that's the uh, freshman coming in from Nashville. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. We're talking about the uh, who's offensive coordinator? The guy from App State. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But no, I think that Mike Wright fits that offense a lot better because he likes to run the ball more. And Will Rogers is not going to run the ball. I looked it up. I was looking up numbers earlier today. Um, Will Rogers finished the year with like minus a hundred yards rushing. I mean, he's got is from all from sacks. He's just not going to run the ball. So, I this is what I think is going to happen. Mike Wright is your quarterback. Chris I, I don't know. I don't think sits behind him. Watches him for a year, gets a bit of the offense, how they run it through Mike Wright. Parsons steps into the office, offense his sophomore year after Wright, Asimilama Lickham, and Mississippi State, 11-1, and lost to Alabama at home, gets the tiebreaker to the SEC West Championship in 2026, and plays for a national championship and wins it 2026. That's all I had to say. Dude, you're full of so much. What a Christmas goose, baby. <laughs> oh, my Let's go, God. dude. Let's go. Three years. You, Freaking you Natty, just Champion. Went, Natty you Champion. Just went, you just went from a guy who has set every single passing record at Mississippi State. We're going to bench him for a guy who's only played at Vanderbilt yep. and not proven himself. We're going to go from False. that. Vanderbilt was 6-6 six six this year. They were 5-7. and seven, But Wait. it doesn't matter. It, 
they were five and seven. You're not going to argue with me. They had a chance to beat Tennessee the last game of the year to get bowl eligible, and they did not That's do it. Right? They beat Kentucky to have a chance to be bowl eligible. You're right. Yes, you're going to go from Will Rogers, who's done all this stuff in Mississippi State, to benching him. We're going to put Mike Wright in, and within three, four more years, Mississippi State is going to win the national championship. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Do you want to put a hundred dollars on this? In 2027, on January, whatever, Mississippi State wins the national championship. A hundred dollars. Yeah, I'll be rich by right. now. All right, deal. Hundred dollars ain't gonna be to me. All right. Well, everybody's heard it here first. So, <laughs> oh wow. All right. So, um, another Mississippi State guy, Rod Rod Thomas, was in the news earlier today. Uh, he transferred to the University of Georgia. He was arrested early Monday morning on a felony charge of false imprisonment and misdemeanor battery family violence, according to an athens Clark County jail official. I don't know if you saw that, but that happened at 4.40 a.m. this morning. He allegedly confined and detained a person without legal authority by standing in front of the dorm room door blocking the exit, and telling her that she cannot leave. Oh, so it's obviously he went to some girl's dorm. She got mad, told him to go, or whatever might have happened, and he told or her. Or vice versa. Could have been no, her coming there, and then he, she wanted to leave, and he wouldn't let her, which technically by the law is um, apparently that there was also – he also did intentionally cause bo- visible bodily harm by causing bruising to the right biceps and bruising and abrasion to her shins, which meant it probably was punching her in the arm and possibly kicking her, which is not a good look for anybody. Uh, that could possibly be in his career at Georgia. Then again, it's Georgia, and they usually have about 10 or 12 guys getting arrested every offseason, so that might just be nothing new. But I don't either think way, you make your way back from this one. Not what the world either, we're living in now. Either way, it kind of seems like a good loss for the dogs. So, yeah, I mean, I just feel like, gosh, man, when are when are athletes going to start recognizing that the situation doesn't really matter to the future, right? It just kind of makes it, me sick, man. Like, these, yeah, these are just, kids, but you need to, like, I would say this kid's probably 21 or 22 years old. You need to have some sort of so, – something's got to tell you that you're not supposed to be touching, hitting women or kicking women or whatever he was doing. And it's not worth sacrificing a future, man. That's my big thing. No, it's not. For one night, it's probably – yeah, it's it's not. Um. Uh, so, Just go to the bar. Yeah, if you're Ra Ra Thomas, go to the bar and find another girl to hang out with. Yep. So one more thing before we finish up college football. So you saw this past week Jaden Rashada, who is a top quarterback prospect in the 2023 class. He made a bunch of news headlines for being offered NIL money. He committed to Miami originally, and – Supposedly was in line for a eight nine million dollar NIL deal to Miami, committed to Miami, but right before National Signing Day, he flipped to Florida, who supposedly offered him thirteen million dollars in an NIL deal. Well, in the past week, he has 
I guess, since learned that Florida was not going to be able to supply that much money. And since they did that, he has requested a release from his national letter of intent, and Florida has now granted that so that he is now not committed to any school and he's still waiting to find out where he's going to go. Seabear, I don't really know where the transfer portal, the NIL, all this stuff is going to lead college football, but this is not a good look for any of it, in my opinion. I, I would agree with you. I think it, I think what it comes down to is the school, right? I think the school has to be held accountable. Cause you, well, it's not the school. The it's not, it, it's not technically the school that's doing it. It's either a collective or a, a individual that's offering this stuff and they're not technically, co- co- not technically connected to the school. That money's not coming from the University of Florida. Right. It's coming from outside, um, individuals or the collective. The problem is, is that you, you, this is the first one where you see somebody being offered just tons of money and him backing out. The problem is they've already offered people a bunch of money and it's going to come a time where this, they're not going to, the player's not going to be able to hold up their end of the deal because they're not going to perform as well because that just happens. So it's going to, this could actually be a good thing if you look at it because it could make businesses and collectors really maybe slow the brakes a little bit on how much money they're going to be offering these kids without seeing them ever even play a down of college football. That's what I was just about to ask you. Is there a way you can do this to where you say, like, you can't officially accept any sort of money or talk about any money until you get on campus? So I don't think the NIL decisions not solely or your your decision to go to college isn't solely based on how much money you can make. Well, it's going to just end up like that under the table if it doesn't. Right. The thing is, where I, the way I'm looking at it is, it could make these collectives or these businessmen and women be like, you know, maybe we shouldn't pay a kid that hadn't proven himself a couple million dollars. Because I remember a year to a few years ago, Bryce Young, the first year of the NIL, they said that before he'd ever even played a snap that he was going to be making over a million dollars, which at that time was an insane amount of money for a kid like that. But he obviously proved that he was worth it. But this kid has never played it down in college football and hasn't even been on the team because Bryce Young was making all that money after playing a little bit in the his freshman year behind Tua. But Jane Rashad has never even stepped foot on campus. And maybe this will get these collectives and stuff to be like, maybe we shouldn't offer this much money until we see what this kid's made of. I don't Maybe, but I don't see it, man. I think these, I think a lot of these boosters and, and companies and people that, majority of these companies are going to be the people that are advertising when it's third down and stuff like that, right? Like this first down was brought to you by whoever. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, with all these collective stuff, it's, it's the Associated Press said that this was the Gator Collective, which is pretty much like, uh, I think Mississippi State's is the Bulldog Initiative. Ole Miss is the Grove Collective. It's just where anybody can go in and give money to this um, this group where they are the ones that are handling the money and, de- and dealing it out to the players and stuff. So this could be high-end business people giving tons of money to it. Like supposedly there's a guy from Ole Miss, um, one of the big businessmen, that gave a bunch of money to the collective, which is going to help turn Ole Miss's collective in a, in a higher rank um, 
they're going to have a little more money to hand out. So it's not really just, it's not like the old days where it was the bag man and this guy would stick a bunch of money into a sack and go give it to a guy. It's pretty, I think, documented and organized, but it's still going to make people be like, you know, slow down a little bit. And so here's another question, right? So I had two classes, one fundraising principles last year and one nonprofit management last year. Okay. And a lot of the stuff that this fundraising principles class talked about and nonprofit management class talked about was how nonprofits use their funds, right? You look at a university, it's not necessarily, it's, it's not necessarily a nonprofit. It's, it's going to be classified under something under government terms, right? Educators, so whatever it is. Yeah. So my, basically my question is if you're a donor to one of these schools and say you're like a freaking liberal arts major, whatever you might be a, a fine arts major, whatever it is. And you give $5 million cause you just sold this painting for 25, mm-hmm. but they're going to give it to a football player. Now so you're, you're, not- gonna pull, you're never going to donate again. So are you going to lose donors because of this kind of stuff? No, because the way that that'll be handled is the, the, collectives and stuff like that that is strictly for the sports and then people know that if you give donations you can tell what it's for you can't if somebody wants to offer to give five million dollars to the liberal arts school and they say that they want to give it to that they cannot legally go and give it to some kid right. to play for. I get what you're saying. I get now you're if there's going to be a school that's going to break that it's going to be lsu because they took money from a children's hospital and gave it to players all right moving on or, or your athletic director's brett Favre. continue there we go. So <laughs> anything else you want to hit up, C-Bear, before we get into our little top five at the end? I want to say one thing about the Bills game. I was 100% right. About? I worried. I worried if the Bills offense struggled, could the Bills defense stop Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense? The answer was no. I was right, and I was still stupid enough to give you the Bills minus five and a half. My fault. I'm sorry. I knew the number was going to go to six, so I jumped it. It did go to six, but it came back down. Sorry. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. We're still, what, seven and two on the year so far? Yeah, I just shouldn't have jumped that number. It was just a stupid spot. Sorry. Yeah. We'll we'll we'll, we'll learn. We'll get better. I do want to hit one more thing up before we get to that. See, Bear, you are coaching f- baseball right now. Currently. Coaching for the West Point Green Wave. Um. Uh, who we got? Who we got this year? That's going to be who's got to keep an eye on. All right, so we got. I think there's three. Okay. Okay, let me hear them. Numero uno, a guy by the name of Tyrese Johnson, uh, probably going to be a top ten round draft pick. Um, plus arm, plus bat, plus glove. Anything that anything you thought you could do when you played baseball, this kid does it better. Um, another. He's kid, a big kid too, isn't he? Very big. He's like six two, probably two sixty. But he moves, he moves really well for his size. He can, play, uh, he can play shortstop if you need him to. In college, yeah. he's probably going to be a catcher first baseman. Very good catcher. Dude, dude's got a sweet sing, swing. Go ahead. Very good swing. We have another arm uh, committed to EMCC. Uh, sorry, Tyrese is committed to Pearl River. Um, got another arm, uh, Elijah Johnson, committed to EMCC. Uh, lefty's going to run it up there mid-80s. Uh, pretty good arm. Um, very good kid. Uh, lanky lefty. He's really, he's really got that, like, just that look to him, right? He's got a lot of upside. Um, he could swing it really well from the left side. And then we've got a catcher that's really good. That's going to be our closer as well. He's going to be up there high eighties from behind the dish. He's going to be a one nine guy two probably a two Oh, two one in game. 
uh, can swing it really well. Uh, got a very good like. So what was, would, what's his what was his name? Sorry, Corbin Hendricks, and he's committed to. There William we go. Gary. Got you. See, Corbin played. He played softball with us this past summer a few times, and they he he's pretty good. Yeah, his so he's got a very similar swing. It's it's a. I'd say Tyrese's swing is a very Mike Trout. It's Mike Trout. Uh, Corbin swing. That's a good, that's a good comparison. It, it's it's very Mike Trout. It, it like honestly, um, Corbin swing. It, it's a very tight, compact hands to the very hands forward. Very good swing. And then Elijah's just got that pretty lefty swing, like just that kind of junior look. Not that pretty, but you get know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, those ones that every lefty just seems to have. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm right there with you. Every team's got a lefty with a Griffey swing. Yep, you're right. Well, good. I, I hope the the Greenies do well this year. Just wanted to give you a chance to shout them out a little bit. And, well, well, let me shout out one more guy. Let me shout out the big fella. The big fella. The big himself, fella. Mister Mitchell Bohan, or the Lehman Bohan, Coach Bohan, Coach. I'm telling you. What he's done with this West Point program, and, and I know I'm very I, – like, I see it with my eyes. I see it with my – like, I'm hands-on with it. I understand. Dude has turned this place around, bro. There's no doubt. That's what we've – we may be a little bit biased because we both coached with him. We both played for him. But watching what he's done with this West Point program, which was – when you th- compare it to football, it's kind of an afterthought. He has turned that school around. He's turned the program around. He's made the facilities – so much better and nicer. And he's gone from being a school that's kind of just, oh, it was baseball season, what happened, to, hey, y'all, it's baseball season coming up. We're going to be a good team this year. We have a chance to make a run. And that's one thing that he always does. He believes in his guys. It's awesome to see. And, no, I think y'all, you and Coach B, Coach Bohan are going to have a good chance to have a good year this year. I'm excited. Man, it's going to be fun, man. Shout-out to Coach Bohan. Real good dude. Shout-out Shout Coach out. B. All right, so we're going to do a little – finish this up. We did a top five last week of the worst uh, SEC fan bases. This week we're going to mix it up a little bit. Seabear had a gr- the great idea of your top five concert lineup. So to give you a little background, I listen to mainly country, if you can't tell by my voice. <laughs> uh, like, But I like all kinds of music. Seabear listens to – what do you listen to, Seabear? Everything? Everything, man. Like, I, everybody hates my playlist, and I completely understand why. It ranges from – like, it is the most outrageous stuff. It, you could be listening to Young Boy one minute, and then I'll turn you over and freaking Tracy Chapman's playing Fast Car. I mean, I'm just, like, throwing you through a loop the whole time. Well, you started last week. I want to go ahead and start this week. Yeah, Number five it. on my list, who I'd like to see in concert, Eric Church. I've heard really good things about his shows. I heard he plays for forever, and you kind of appreciate that with some people because sometimes you'll go somewhere and they'll play f- for just a 20 minutes, play a few songs, and be done. But he plays a lot. I've heard it's a lot of fun. I would like to go see him. See, Bear, who is your on your list? Who's number five? Number five, you're not going to like it. Um, I don't really care what you think, buddy. I'm going to go with Young Boy himself, number five. I, I'd love to go to a Young Boy concert. I would not fit in at all. I'm freaking white, bald, with a red beard. I would not fit in at all, dude, but I would be freaking raging. I love Young Boy, bro. 
I'd probably get my right. That's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> what about number four? Number four for me, I'm going to go – I'm going to switch – see, I told you I'm going to switch you up. I'm going to go – it was tough. I wanted to put him a little higher, but he hasn't released new music, so it's kind of putting me off. Um, even some of his newer music's not just great, but his new his old stuff's incredible. Tyler Childers. I love me some Tyler Childers, man. Very, very good. He just missed the list for me. Um, my number four is a guy who I think a lot of us around our age grew up on. He was the goat, still is the goat in my personal opinion, and that is Wheezy Baby Lil Wayne. Man, he has just he just dropped banger after banger back in the late two thousand, early two twenty tens, especially. He had a lot of good old stuff too. And his covers were so good. He he would he can just make any single song. Whenever he's featured on a song, you really skip the part, whatever it was, to get to the Lil Wayne part. It's so good, man. Uh, the, number uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wait till you get to you're gonna have to wait. Um, number three. So I'm kind of I, I was kind of torn between my number three spot, buddy. Were you torn? I really. My number three was kind of locked in. My number one and two are the ones that I'm kind of trying to decide between. But my number three was the guy who's arguably one of the hottest ones in the the game right now, Zach Bryan. Yeah, I think you have to throw him. It, so I was in between Tyler Childers and Zach Bryan, but I've listened to three years' worth of Tyler Childers. I can't, like Zach Bryan, his first song that really hit, Heading South. Yeah, we heard about that. Banger. Yep. Banger. But Tyler Childers, dude, he just comes with him, bro. Zach Bryan's been coming with him heavy, bro. But just his, just Tyler Childers' old stuff, I had to put him above Zach. So for number three, I don't think a lot of people are going to really know who this is. And I'm okay with that because I really like this dude. Number three, Polo G out of Chicago. I, I love me some Polo G. It, it was tough to put him at number three because I like his music that much, but I I love Polo G, man. All right, I can't. I'll be honest with you, I can't say much. I don't really know who that is, so I'm not gonna be able to give much input on that. <laughs> who's your uh, Who's your number two? Number two. I have to do this. I have to. Mac Miller. Ooh. I mean, gosh, dude. His um, what was that swimming album in two thousand and eighteen? And then his his some of his older stuff. You think of Donald Trump, like two thousand ten? Yeah. Loud. Do you remember going out to Loud Instrumental when we played football? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, dude! Mac Miller's just, and I mean, R.I.P. Mac Miller, obviously. But dude, his stuff is just so good. It really was good. I mean, it's he had so many good ones. Um, so almost my number two is going to stay on the country way. I got Chris Stapleton at number two. I've heard a lot of really good things about him. I've heard that it's, he sounds exactly like he does on the radio in person. Um, so I, I think I might have a chance to get to go see him later in the summer, which I'm pumped about. So that, but he's my number two right now. My number one is the guy that's also going to be playing that same concert, and it's the king himself, George Strait. Mm. George Strait, 
top in the list? Dude, he's. I've heard so many good things about him. One of our friends went to a concert of his a few years ago and said it was the most fun concert he's ever been to. Had another guy who said that he went to it uh, to a different one said the exact same thing. So I'm I'm pumped. You ready, buddy? I'm ready. Well, who's your number one? Wheezy F Baby. He's got. He had to make the list. Gosh, dude. I could I, honestly. You think about going to a Lil Wayne concert? You want to talk about singing every song? Every single one. The entire I, thing. Every song he made from the time he was a 13-year-old kid to now is a heater. You put Lil Wayne on any song, heater. Yep. It just instantly Dude. made it. it. It went from a good song to a great song just like that. Most every it's single time. He even made bad songs good songs. Agreed. You know, you remember that song, Drop the World? Yes, the the song itself is not very good, but his part is so good. But as soon as you I hear mean, it's actually Wayne, is his song, but twenty to thirty seconds in, you're like, oh yeah, this is what we came for. Whenever you hear the lighter flick, it's over. Oh, dude, so good, man. God. Well, that's gonna that's... pretty much wrap it up for today. Hey, drop your top five artists in the, or your top five concerts on the list or in the comments. Yeah. Let us know what y'all think. We'll we'll give y'all a chance to tell us what you think. Um, but that's going to about wrap it up for us today. Uh, we'll be back with y'all later in the week to get you really ready for the conference championship Sunday. Uh, once again, it's going to be 49ers and Eagles and the Bengals and the Chiefs. See Bear, I will see you on Thursday. Have a good practice the rest of the week as you're coaching. Um, and let's – Let's all have a good week. Thanks thanks for joining in to get to the point with Buddy and Seabear. We'll see you all later.